0: The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk Podcast. Ben Maxwell and Johnny Nickel with you, and Johnny with uh, no J1 to chat about uh, on this week's episode. We might be uh, moving from one of our longest episodes uh, last week to one of our shortest uh, this time around.
1: Well, a bit like a lot of the, the J1 clubs, we need a rest too. I had quite quite a nice weekend. It was. No Gamba game, so they couldn't lose any games, So I'm I'm feeling quite a good quite good spirits. The weather's a bit cooler as we we're saying, and I'm I'm looking forward to a, a chat, no, no matter how long it is. So how, how about yourself? How are you doing today?
0: I'm good, thank you very much. And yeah, you're right. Uh, no uh, no Tokyo game to stress about this weekend. So uh, yes, a bit of a weight off uh, off our shoulders, I think, Johnny. As we uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll spend our time on this episode chatting about the Emperor's Cup semi-finals that were played on sunday and then look back to last midweek's acl action a uh, very good week for the four j league clubs in action um look ahead as best we can to the levain cup semi-finals that are coming up uh, this wednesday uh, with the second legs on sunday and then of course we're in the middle of uh, an international break so uh, the uh the japan squad was announced by uh, Mr. Moriyasu last midweek. So we'll talk about that as well as a couple of uh, injury ins and outs uh, before we finish uh, on this week's episode. So, yes, uh, beginning with the Emperor's Cup on Sunday, the early game was played at Kashiwa, where the uh, the hosts were Kashiwa Reysol, but they were technically the away team to... Roasso Kumamoto of uh, J2 unfortunately for them Johnny the uh, the fairy tale has uh, come to an end in the semi-finals as uh yeah Rasso got off to a quick start and uh, well basically never looked back Kumamoto's hopes of uh following in Kofu's footsteps were were dashed pretty early doors weren't they
1: yeah, unfortunately, this wasn't really the, the fairy tale semi-final. I'm sure Kumamoto or many of the neutrals have been hoping for uh, a very professional display from from Kashua. I mean, interesting, they were their away team, but the, I was wondering that where the fans would go. But all, all the Kashua fans were were behind the goal as they as they usually are, making that yellow wall. It was a very intimidating atmosphere, and yeah, I think it it just looked like a J1 team against a J2 team at times. And, you know, the the pace and movement in the the closing down of Hosoya and uh, Savio and Diego down the left for Kashiwa. It it was just the kind of thing that I think Kumamoto are not used to to dealing with on a a weekly basis. And, you know, any any kind of nerves were were erased by that that early goal. Lovely little run down the left by Hosoya and then the the, the cross to the back post for for Toshima. And he was a bit of a difference maker because I I think, you know, John and, and Sean Carroll talked about this last week on the, uh, on um, J talk extra time and it has been covered a lot on there this year about you know Kumamoto are not a team of, of any great means and that they lost a lot of players last last winter Takahashi who, who we talked about he scored against Gamba the other week for Orawa left and they managed to replace him quite well with Daichi Ishikawa but then he's out for the season with a knee injury and then they just do not have the resources to replace him so they've kind of been stuck trying like young centre forwards who are not really ready for it. Or, or wingers, or as they did in this game, as a number 10, Shunito, and there was a lot of nice passing, I think, from from Kumamoto in the, the midfield, you know, Rei Hirakawa, I think you'll be familiar with, used to play for FC Tokyo's youth teams, and uh, Kamimura in the middle, and I think the, the two wide players, especially Shimamura, kind of caught the eye, but there was just no focal point, no no end product even with you know Kashiwa had uh, inukai and I think Yamada were both cup tied so that that meant um friend of the pod, Yugo uh, Tadsta was back and he, <laughs> he was largely able to to stroll through things um I think he caught out once Hirakawa threaded the ball through but in that instance Koga kind of um, blocked um Ito as he was in his uh, about to pull the trigger. And then, you know, again, I mentioned neutrals. Kashiwa fans were delighted, Kumamoto fans devastated. The, the goal right on half time.
0: Well, that's right, Johnny. Yeah, any chance of uh, Kumamoto uh, getting their way back into the game were, uh, well, th- yeah, they're well and truly dashed uh, just before half time when uh, Eichi Katayama made it two in in stoppage time. And then, yeah, Malho Soya. Put the game uh, well and truly to bed uh, nine minutes after the break. So yeah, I mean Kumamoto, you can't um, you can't begrudge them uh, the, their spot in the semi-finals. They they've knocked off you know uh, a, a number of, of J1 teams fair and square. I mean, including the team that were top of the table um, in the uh, in the quarterfinals uh, Vissel Kobe. So um, well, we, I guess we thought it had to end sometime, but uh, obviously for Kofu, it didn't last year and it went all the way to them hoisting the cup. So yeah, while Kumamoto were still in the game at 1-0 heading into uh, first half stoppage time, yes, they, uh, as we said, uh, their hopes were ultimately dashed by Katayama and then by Hosoya early, uh, early in the second half.
1: Yeah, and finally uh, Sam Robson's favourite tactic of Matthias Savio shooting from corner kicks actually brought some some fruition. So uh, a bit a bit of luck there, I think, with the ball hitting the post and then I think it was it when Ishii tried to clear for Kumamoto and it just kinda of hit Katagama on the line and it's just the, the timing of the goal and the way the goal went in, I think that ah, was just a killer blow for, for Kumamoto. And then, yeah, into the second half again, they're going to get cut open down that left side and then Saviour shot just hitting Hosoya and going in and completely wrong-fruiting Tashiro. I think you just have that feeling like this is not going to be our day. But, you know, the, the heads went down a bit, but they, they kept on battling. But I think, as I said to you in the green room, I, I wrote down three chances for Kumamoto, but they were like 84th, 89th in the, the 91st minute. And by that point, as they were they were pressing on, they were getting countered by by Kashua, who'd obviously got a lot of experience of that playing against Considoli in their last league game. And it, it was looking like, you know, they brought on Douglas and they brought on Muto, hungry for goals. It, it looked kind of inevitable they were going to make a, a fourth in the counter. And eventually it was um, it was almost the last kick of the ball. Takamine, who, who again had a pretty decent game in, in midfield. I think him and Shihashi were able to get the, the upper hand in there. He threatened a couple of times earlier and then he drilled home and um, 4-0, yes, it's a bit harsh. It's kind of the, the big boy bullies just rubbing it in right in, in full time, but you know, a couple of goals were maybe slightly lucky, but Casiova's professional is a comfortable win. I can't really say that they didn't deserve to concede any goals and they didn't deserve to, to win by any less than, than two goals. So. Four may maybe slightly flattering, but but not too much. And you know, it's been a we've mentioned a, a lot on here. It's been quite a quite a horrible season at time for cashew so it's nice. To just for them and their supporters are edging clear of the relegation zone. And then after that final match there, I think it's December ninth. The final is on. They've got got yeah. Emperor's Cup final to look forward to against a a familiar foe.
0: Yes, absolutely. So yeah, Hall into the final, and uh, yeah, they'll be looking. Uh, for more cup glory, as uh, Johnny said on December the 9th. Uh, just a final word on Kumamoto. Of course, uh the, uh, the the race hall stadium he touched do you uh, does have a, a a small corner of uh, Kumamoto fans uh, hearts I think after the uh, the devastating earthquake back in in the prefecture in 2016 uh, in the uh, the middle of April um, the uh, the first Kumamoto home game in inverted commas after uh, after the disaster was actually moved up to Kanto and played at Kashiwa and um, myself Stuart Woodward uh, Ka uh, Kashiwa supporter and uh, obviously numerous others um neutrals went along uh, to show our support for Kumamoto I mean I've still got the scarf uh, I bought on that day and it was a wonderful occasion uh, to to support Kumamoto uh, they lost that day to Mito and they've uh, they've lost again to to race at the stadium but um yeah I'm sure a lot of their supporters have um, fond memories of of that day back in 2016 when they were able to uh, to cheer their side on despite um yeah what had happened in the prefecture the uh, the month previously so uh, yeah uh, a great run to the semis for Kumamoto i mean that won't be uh, much consolation to, to Gary Irwin and uh, his uh, Roasso supporting brethren but um yes they uh, they know that all the neutrals were behind them and they uh, they almost got there a, a a marvelous cup run and as we said they took a number of uh, huge scalps along the way uh, but uh, as johnny said it's a, it's a race all into the final against a familiar foe and that is Kawasaki Frontale, who uh, hosted Fukuoka at Todoroki in the later game on Sunday afternoon. Um, Fukuoka, of course, were hoping uh, to do a domestic cup double, but it wasn't to be for them either, Johnny. And um, yes, this game was a chock full of goals and it's ended 4-2 4-2 to Frontale, uh, as we're going to come on to. Yes, they had a, a, a really good week, all told, with a, a big win in the ACL. But uh, much like uh, Kashiwa, they were on the ball and on the scoreboard very very early on in their game. And it was uh, an unlikely source for them, Kazuya Yamamura, who got them on the uh, on their way in just the fifth minute.
1: Yeah, I said last week both of these games would go to extra time. And I also said there'd be goals. So at least I got one of the two, two right. And <laughs> yeah. I was, it was quite, um, yeah, the, the, this was kind of a, an interesting first half of football because um, I think you could make quite a nice highlights package out of it. But most of the action happened kind of in the last seven or eight minutes of the half. Nothing had really happened up until this point. And, you know, Fukuoka, are a team that, that pride themselves on their defence and they'd be bitterly disappointed because... They didn't even really make Frontali work hard. What Wakisaka's uh, set pieces were—I know Neil's complained about them a lot in the, the past—but they're actually really on the money all, all throughout this game. And he, he had a wonderful game, Zaka. I'll talk about him more more later. But yeah, he, all he does is really float the ball in, and then the, one of the tallest players in Frontali's team just jumps highest and, and nods it in. It's a disaster of a start for Fukuoka. They don't make Frontali work, and they're, they're, they're one-nil down in, in no time. But. You know, after that, not, not a lot happened up until. But I think the, just before the 20th minute, there was an incident that, if anyone's just gonna kind of caught the highlights, it might not have been there. Um, Yosuke Duguchi, he he got a yellow card, and it, it was the referee asked VAR, but he was never called over to the box and. You know, I, I did have a rant about Gamba getting a player sent off in the seventh minute at, at Todoroki last year. And I said I didn't really like players getting sent off early. And, you know, as a neutral, I did not want Idiguchi to, to see red. But also, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about Kashima getting a bit getting a bit angry about a, a straight red they didn't like. And, you know, this kind of decision only really adds fuel to that, that fire. Because I, I think Patuka's tackle the other week against Serizo and Idiguchi, who sort of, it, his, he was late on uh, Tadzki Seko and his studs sort of rolled down the back of his leg near his ankle, the leg kind of bent. Uh, for me, it's a red card. Uh, if if Petukas is a red, Idiguchi is a red. He looked a little bit sheepish at the time, but it was never, the referee was never ordered to, to change his decision and things continued. It got a bit kind of tetchy and scrappy for a bit, a, a lot of kind of complaining to the referee. And then yeah, you know, I think in I think it was the thir- 38th minute it happened again. What Wacky Zaka involved playing Marcinho in for the, the penalty, and th- this was quite interesting because you know they had Marcinho down the left and uh, Inaga down the right, Damian in, in the middle, and you know uh, from fans, I mean, I mean this as nicely as possible. But it's, sometimes I've seen like Marcinho, he's so quick, he almost reminds me of like a. You know, like if you ever see like a, a young child with their grandparents in the park and they're just sort of running and the grandparents can't keep up. And I think that's been a, a bit of an issue sometimes. Like if the ball is played to them down the left, because the defence can't really keep up, but they can cut off the angle to to the goal and they end up having to come back and work it again. But in this game, as happened in in the penalty and happened a couple of times later on, they were able to supply Marcinho and he was able to run through the middle. So the defenders could, couldn't catch him. And he was one on one with the goalkeeper, and and that's what happened. And yeah, I mean Damian, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago. He he missed a penalty against against Shonan. um, and you know, um, I didn't have a whole lot of sympathy for for them because um, the penalty was saved and the goalkeeper moved slightly before it was taken. He got to retake it and he, he scored the goal. So I can't say as a neutral, I had a ton of sympathy for him missing this time. I felt like he'd he got away with one at, at Shonan before, but. You know, Fukuoka had not been, yeah, they'd not been an attacking threat up until this point, but they did seem to use Murakami's great save from Damian as, as inspiration for, for what was about to, to transpire.
0: Well, that's right. And it was uh, it was soon 1-1, one, one, not uh, not long after Masaki Murakami uh, denied Damian from the spot. And uh, Takeshi Kanamori got Fukuoka back into this game and back on level terms three minutes before the break. So you're heading into the sheds. After uh, yeah, what had transpired in the first forty-five minutes plus stoppage time, Johnny. Uh, I mean, yeah, Fukuoka had uh, well reason to be, uh, I guess, positive that they might have felt they they dodged the, the best that Kawasaki could throw at them. They uh, they weathered a bit of a storm, and yeah, it could have obviously been a lot worse for them than than heading into the break. At level, but yeah, I mean, they couldn't rest on, uh, on parity at, at half time because uh, Kento Tachibanada soon uh, put Frontale back in front just uh, eight minutes after the restart.
1: Yeah, I think this, this section before and after half time was maybe we can call it Chaos Energy Emperor's Cup. So, like the, the five, six minutes before half time and about 15, 20 minutes after is when a lot of the action in this game took place. You know, when Damian stepping up to, to take the penalty, I think a lot of people are thinking this goes in, it's, it's game over. Fukuoka are not coming back from 2-0 down. But then within like 120 seconds or down the other end, they put good pressure on, on Frontali, win the ball back. And it's a, a lovely uh, turn and spin by, by Yamagishi and then tees up um, Kanemori for the equaliser. And then from nowhere, all of a sudden, it's Fukuoka chances. I think Kono had a shot deflected wide for a corner and then, then Mia had a big chance. The ball bounced in front of him and he headed over. Right on half time, so that they could have went in two one at the break, and then again you mentioned that goal near the start of the second half by Tachi Banada, but up till about a minute before that it had been all all Fukuoka. I think they had about three or four half chances, and then frontali finally managed to get the ball down the other end of the field. There was a kind of chance in Damian that I think they would have maybe they would have checked on VAR if um, you know if they hadn't sc- scored the goal, and then. They kind of recycle it back out to the left, and Nara and Murakami don't really cover themselves in glory trying to clear it, or then when Tachibanada, who you know we mentioned, have had a great week. He personally has had a great week as well. He he drilled it in, and then yeah yeah from there it, it was kind of all Frontale, I think that that was that, that was really a a stinging blow because Fukuoka had got parity. They they'd had a goal, but they hadn't got a goal, and then Frontale had gone down the other field and and done that. And yeah, I think the the third goal I mentioned earlier, like you know, Marcinho getting played clean through, this goal, if you if you see it, it looks it looks kind of bad from a Fukuoka perspective. But I think I'd, I'd cut them some slack and say, you know, if it was a league game and they can see a the goal directly from a punt downfield from the goalkeeper and the quickest player just runs on and like, nudges it over the goalkeeper, it, it's a disaster. But in the context of a cup game, that's rapidly getting away from them, and there's only I think tw- twenty minutes to go, it, it's kind of understandable. But you know that that. I think that was it. it. The game was very much in, like, your know, Frontali had all the momentum before that goal, and then that just, I think, finally knocked the, the wind out of Fukuoka's sails.
0: Yeah, and it's, um, well, I mean, it's a real shame for, for Visper and their travelling support. I mean, they were up there in numbers, um and they deserve you know massive credit for uh, for making the trip up and you know their team has been in a terrific form in the league so they were entitled to go in feeling confident and yeah that spell either side of halftime Johnny had them um yeah well they weren't just well and truly in the game as you said they were on top but ultimately they've um I don't know have they been done in by uh, a failure to to capitalise on that period of dominance have they been Taught a lesson in, um, you know, in cup football by by Frontale because I mean, yeah, their, their recent run. In the in the league, Fukuoka is as good as anyone in the last five games, and it literally is. I mean, there's I think there's four teams who were have taken ten points from the last fifteen available, and Fukuoka are one of them. So that yeah, as I said, they're entitled to come in um, full of confidence and um, and really backing themselves in. Uh, uh, that they've fallen short, um, it'll be uh, it'll be really galling for them, won't it? Especially after as you say the uh, the, the the really good spell they had and they weren't able to uh, to turn that 1-0 disadvantage into into 2-1 or even better uh, early in the second half and then I guess they've, um, well as I said, I think they've probably been taught a, a bit of a lesson here by the uh, the street smart frontale side.
1: Yeah, yeah it's interesting because we could almost label this a shock because Fukuoka are ahead of Kawasaki in the league and they're in yeah, yeah. much better form but even though Kawasaki were at home but now this was a it was a kind of funny game because you know I was joking about saying there was lots of goals. It, a lot of the time, you know, it, maybe like two thirds of the game, it didn't really feel like the kind of game that would have lots of goals. It it just seemed like you know I watched the I think the the Asian Games the, the final between Korea and Japan. There seemed to be like way more goal mouth activity in that game, but just obviously the younger players were a bit less clinical. I, I think in in this game, you know, Fukuoka didn't have that many clear cut chances and ended up with two goals and. You know Kawasaki have just scored two goals from from corners without really doing anything special, and that they, they have created some other chances. But you know that the, the, the Marcial goal was was a bit of a kind of freak. <laughs> the goalkeeper getting an assist. It it, it was. Yeah, you know, I think we've said before, like a, a lot of like, Japanese teams, that they, they often struggle with the concept of of cup football, and there's almost a kind of like you know this kind of feeling like thou shalt not play one's full strength team until the semi-finals at the earliest. So. The early rounds are a bit of a you know mishmash of first teamers in, in reserves and reserves and youth players. And then the semi-finals is where where it really starts, like strength versus strength. But yeah, Frontale have just just taken their chances. They've they've got the breaks. It's not always happened for them this season, but yeah, if I was to pick out anyone, it would definitely be, be Yasto Wakizaka in, in midfield. The the quality of his set plays is is through balls, he, he had a couple of shots and he, he was he was everywhere in that. A really kind of controlling midfield performance because he was up against Maya and Idaguchi, who are a good duo. But yeah, he just excelled. He always seemed to have that kind of time and space to take a touch and, and pick out a player. And I think that really kind of bought, bought his team some time and got got them up the field. And you know the much wanted Fukuoka uh, trio at the back of uh, Grawley, Mia and, and Nara, they were all there, but you know they they didn't have the greatest day at the office. And I, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a fantastic achievement, as you say, for, for Fukuoka to get to the semi-finals. Allied to doing so well in the, the Levant Cup and in the league as well. But I mean, Shigetoshi has to be hasn't got as far as he has in in the game without kind of kind of coming down hard in this kind of defensive display. I'm sure they'll be be working on things in training, and that there might be a few a few harsh words about what went down. But you now, uh, as I say, as as a neutral supporter, it was quite quite entertaining, fair, especially in the in the second half. But yeah, yeah, Fukuoka fans, yeah, maybe a few years down the line, they'll look back on this day quite fondly as a nice day out. But they might be hurting just just a little bit the way things went down. I think on on Sunday.
0: Yep. Although, uh, as we said, they still have a chance for for cup glory uh, this year in the uh, the Levine Cup and yeah, the semi-finals first leg. Uh, of that will be uh, played this Wednesday night and we'll chat about that shortly. But uh, firstly, like I said, it was a very good week at the end of the day for for Kawasaki, uh, making it through to the Empress Cup final on Sunday while uh, earlier on in the week on the Tuesday night, they had uh, seen off at the death K-League powerhouse uh, Ulsan Hyundai uh, by one goal to nil thanks to Kento Tachibanada uh, who's an 89th minute winner. Uh, was enough to send uh, Kawasaki top of their group, a perfect two wins from two. Uh, they took it right down to the wire, Johnny, but they were able to uh, to get there, uh, get over the line. Um, at the uh, yeah, right at the end of things through Tachi Bandera and a massive sigh of relief, and they sent uh, everybody home from Todoroki happy.
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a re- really good start, isn't it, for Kawasaki? We, we've mentioned they've not been having the greatest time in the league, so getting to an Emperor's Cup final and then they've basically beaten the the two other strongest teams in in the their, their little group. And I think they play Ulsan away as their as their final game. So you know, essentially, if they can rack up th- two or three more victories over the next few games, the, the Ulsan away might might just be a kind of mathematical uh, anomaly that they'll, they'll just kind of cru- cruise through. I mean, <laughs> I guess, it, it, you know, maybe some Kawasaki fans wouldn't think that positively, but the, the start they've made has been been very professional. They've ground out two, two 1-0 wins and Ulsan you know, might not have been at their, their kind of silky best. Um, but you know, for Kawasaki to, to see off Ulsan in any way they did, I know the goal came late and it came through a, Slightly un- unlikely source, but this is a yeah a re- really good really good result that sets them up for for, for the remaining games because you know the, the, they don't really have to focus too much in the league and then the Emperor's Cup's taken care of because that's after the league finishes. So yeah, I think yeah a very good week, a tough season for Kawasaki fans, but they, they should definitely be be toasting this week and enjoying what's what's gone down.
0: Absolutely, and yeah, if they can take care of business in the uh, the home and uh, home and away. Uh, fixtures against the uh, Pathum uh, in the uh, yeah the third and fourth match day. Then by uh, yeah by the time match day four is uh, done and dusted, Kawasaki should have uh, stamp, rubber stamped their uh, ticket through to the the knockout stage of the competition. But uh, well yeah they won't be counting any chickens after two games. But uh, yeah couldn't have gone much better for them. And uh, yeah a dramatic late winner from Banada sealed the deal on uh, on Tuesday night against Ulsan. Also uh, on Tuesday night, uh, Yokohama F. Marinos claimed a 1-0 victory. Theirs was away in China at uh, Shandong Taishan, thanks to Kota Mizunuma's goal eight minutes before the break. So, uh, yeah, F. Marinos bouncing back after that uh, defensive horror show against Inchon in their uh, Group G opener, Johnny, and, um, yeah, showing much more solidity at the back in the fixture that was, yeah, is arguably on paper their hardest in the group, So, uh, yeah, to, to return from China with three points and, uh, yeah, right some wrongs from uh, their match day one defeat, uh, that will have, uh, yeah, pleased uh, Kevin Musk at no end, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, this is an absolutely crucial victory because if we saw the, the other result in China on to six points, so if Shandong had won this, they would have been on to, to six points as well. So Mariners would have been as good as out after two match days if they'd lost here. So they really, really had to to get something and, yeah, the, the professional display, and they they like Kawasaki have on on paper the weakest team in the in the group. They've got to play them twice, so if they can get themselves up to, to nine points before they then have to play like Shandong at home, and they also have the I think the Incheon away game is the the, the, the real tough one because they've saw what they can do on the on the counter, and they're they're a real tough but well like well drilled side. So, you know. This group is not over. There's three pretty decent teams in it, and you know it might come down to things that like goal difference. So, you know, you've got to take all the chances when they come. I think something I just like to say in a slight aside, because I, I caught most of the second half of, of this game, and now I'll I'll pick my words slightly carefully, but kind of also based on the, the, the first uh, the first match day game I saw between Kawasaki away to, to Johor. Because I think, you know, last week, again, as a reference, again, the chat John and, and Sean had was really interesting. They were talking about the, the potential and the, the upsides of the the ACL. And I, I think I remember you had, uh, apologies if I get his name wrong, I think is it Ryan Walters, who used to be in charge of the, the K-League United during, yep, that's during the right. pandemic, you had, you had him on and he was really selling like how the ACL could, could expand. And it, it does, it, it's something that really excites me of how it could expand, but there's sometimes just games like this and the the game when Kawasaki were involved away to, to Johor where, you know, you just feel like the, the last 30 minutes of both games could maybe be described as a lot of play acting and shouting at the referee when a, a football game occasionally broke out in between it. And, you know, we, we talked last week about like the with the, the middle finger and you get banned for, for two games. And I think that's something that sometimes confuses people outside Japan. Right? Sometimes confuses me as well, like a uh, leg breaking tackle potentially gets a one game ban and, the middle finger gets two, but you know this is the kind of like market you're you're gearing your kind of content towards and i do kind of wonder sometimes like games like this is, is it really is it really the football people are wanting to watch for the the, the continent's premier competition so i was very very happy for, for marinos to, to get get that result and it, it keeps them in in the group but i must say that the, the kind of second half you know <laughs> Sam might have had some views on Marouane Fellaini was was playing for Shandong, but you know, he didn't really do an awful lot other than kind of fall around and at the merest hint of contact. I, yeah, I think the actual kind of standard of play, if I might say, in the, the second half of this game, left a bit to be desired. But yeah, I, I don't know. I might be barking up the, the wrong tree. Do you have any any kind of thoughts on that, Ben?
0: Well no, I I wasn't able to watch it Johnny so I um I mean I think I've got the general idea of what you're talking about and um yeah I'm I'm happy to let your uh, your comments stand as uh, as the official um the official pol- <laughs> the official policy of of the JTalk podcast yeah I mean uh, yeah we know um that uh, yeah Japanese teams have uh, often struggled to adapt to uh, various uh, opponents and their their use of uh, the dark arts uh, militia etc um so yeah it's uh, i guess it's slightly disconcerting to hear that that's still going on uh, on a uh, on a wide scale across different uh, countries and different opponents that uh, J League teams have to come across um yeah we always wondered how uh, if Japan would ever catch up in this department and uh, and become more street smart but yeah i think overall we we just don't want that as, as part of our game in general so um yeah the fact that f knows as we've both said we're able to return with the three points is uh yeah is a victory for not only for the J League and um yeah football as a hole i think was the winner in shandong if i can be so dramatic <laughs> uh, on, on tuesday night uh, also um well it was a glorious night on on wednesday as well for for the j league and for everybody who uh, made it along to the national stadium uh to watch kofu's home opener in the acl and uh well yeah we said that kawasaki left it late on tuesday night well there were scenes at uh, at um, Kokoritsu, when Motoki Hasegawa was the 90th minute hero for Kofu, who uh, claimed their first victory in the acl in their history of course against the Buriram united of thailand uh 11,800 there johnny uh we know that the kokoritsu can hold an awful lot more than that but i tell you what they nearly took the roof off didn't they it was uh, absolutely marvelous for kofu just a tremendous occasion all things told a number of neutrals obviously made it there to show their support for uh for the little club from yamanashi and well wouldn't you know they went and won it at the death absolutely tremendous um an evening of entertainment and um yeah well first and foremost it's kept them in the group it's kept them in uh, in the hunt they're joint top with melbourne city after two games and they continue to dream the uh, the kofu supporters
1: yeah, I actually have a Kofu story as well because I, I just got in from work and I, I put on my, my iPad and the, the Kofu game I knew it was just finishing and I, it, it came on to, to let me hear the, the commentator screaming uh, Hasegawa as the ball rolled into the back of the net. So I, I made quite an entrance to the game. I'm not not claiming the assist or anything. It was a lovely cross from, from Cristiano and yeah, it, it's, it's one of these things, you know, as someone who's supported a, a kind of small team in Scotland for a long time that's got a lot of cup, cup runs you know, I think as you said last week, and JTEC, these things you, you remember for for years and years, because I mean realistically, unless there's some massive injection of cash, Koforima not coming to the Champions League again for for the foreseeable future, and you know to to play at the national stadium, and you know to to start off, they went down to Australia with with their I can't their B team or some part C team, get get a result, and then. You no, know, to 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 win the, the, this game, it's, it it seems like it was quite a a fifty fifty game on chances, possession, and everything. And yeah, I guess the, the dramatic finish and the the coach steaming along the the uh the running track where, where the one hundred meter sprinters once went that just kind of added to it. So <laughs> I, I I'm sure I'm sure it'll get covered a lot on on this week's um J talk extra time. So I don't want to talk too much about like, Kofu as a whole, but maybe someone we we might be talking about next year is the goal scorer Motoki Hasegawa I think. I think I wrote, last year, my, my scouting J2, I had him coming up to, to J1 within the next couple of years, and I think got, he got an assist in the weekend because they, they drew three each with, with Machida and I think seven goals, six assists he's got in, in the league. He, he can play as a number 10, he can play on, on the left wing. He actually, um I'm sorry to bring Gambo Saka into something that's got nothing to do with him, but that he played when Jose uh, University when they beat Gambo in the, the Emperor's Cup, and you know, mm. he's played with played with Ayase Ueda, not in that game, but he has played with him at Jose University and a kind of host of other players. So my, my Gamba friends kind of suggest he'll go to Kashima because he's friends with Ueda and, and Sugai, who's just gone there. But I don't know. But I, I think, you know, I think the reason he stayed, maybe is was the uh, Champions League, even if he's not actually really playing. But I, I think with, you know, Absolutely. next season, at some point, I think he's going to be playing J1 football and we'll get to talk about him a whole lot more.
0: Yeah, brilliant stuff. Well, cometh the hour, cometh the man, and uh, well, yeah, Johnny. I, if it was me, I'd be claiming the assist. Absolutely, yeah. If you <laughs> if you turn a game on and, and a goal happens instantly, then uh, yeah, that's that's the Johnny Nickel effect, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, yeah, fair dues, and uh, yeah, well done to Kofu. Marvelous, um, as we said, and uh, yeah, keeps them well and truly in the hunt in their group uh, to make it through to the knockout stage they've got the uh, the home and away uh, fixtures to come uh, in the uh, yeah in the middle two fixtures against uh, Zhejiang who uh yes uh, yet to uh, register a point in group H play so uh, it's all before Kofu and um yeah it's uh, let's hope they can they can make it through uh, Urawa Reds uh, have, uh, have done especially well on Wednesday night they um, yeah they put their uh, tied to bed against uh, Hanoi of Vietnam, uh, very, very early doors, and ultimately ran out 6-0 victors. So, yes, the uh, the opening match day draw against uh, Wuhan of of China. Uh, uh, plus, this uh, huge victory has seen Reds in a clear second spot in Group J behind uh, Pohang uh, of, uh, of South Korea, who have won both of their first two games. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, Pohang versus Reds in the uh, the turnaround, a couple of fixtures in match stage three and four, so they will be uh, definitely ones to watch, and uh, the two crunch games in the group. If uh, Wuhan and uh, Hanoi can take points off each other. And the uh, the the other obviously the other fixtures in the group then that might make things a little bit more comfortable for Reds but uh, yeah the pressure will be on in the two games against uh, pohang before they have to host Wuhan and then travel to Hanoi apologies I don't know if that is the correct order of a match days five and six or not but um, yeah for for Reds it uh, ended up being a, a very very comfortable midweek uh, against Hanoi and uh, well with what's to come Johnny as we're about to come on to the uh, Levain Cup semi-finals on, on Wednesday night they were able to obviously rest numerous players but still uh, run out hugely convincing victors. Yeah
1: I think they, they did all that was asked of them they, they, they ran up the scoreline, they, they boosted their goal difference because I think Pohang are shaping up to be quite a, quite a tough opponent they, they beat uh, Wuhan comfortably like 3-1 whereas obviously it was a home game but Reds, Reds could only muster a draw away to them so I think that head-to-head I think Urawa have to be targeting like four points like uh, maybe draw away and then and win at home and then that would get them that would get them above Pohang and it would also the the moment they've got a better goal difference so if they can can win comfortably at home to to Wuhan and then away to Hanoi and maybe just yeah end up the um the, the mini league with with 14 points I think that could could just about see them into first place but yeah it is very interesting that they have that double header with with Po Hang because the, the other teams we've kind of talked about they all have the uh, on paper the, the weakest team in their group head to head whereas would I go straight straight head to head with one of the not only one of the toughest teams in in their group but one of the toughest teams in in the, this side of the the draw. But yeah, I think Manchester United couldn't ask any more of his side. They they got goals which they haven't managed to do at all this season for for the most part. And yeah, got a bit of confidence to, to take into the like you say the Levan Cup and also the the next two two very difficult um, Champions League games.
0: Indeed indeed uh, well yes scorger will hope that his side sort of uh, saved some goals for the uh, the the two legs of the Levine Cup semi final though because uh, yes they are going to be huge games uh, against uh, Yokohama F Marinos uh, this Wednesday And Sunday, it's the team's second and third in J1 facing off. So, uh, huge, huge couple of fixtures with, obviously, a a huge carrot uh, dangling in front of them. A spot in the Levain Cup final. Uh, The other semi is uh, Fukuoka hosting Nagoya. Fukuoka looking to bounce back from their Emperor's Cup semi-final disappointment on Sunday. And uh, Nagoya Boyd. Will they be, Johnny, by the news that you've sprung on me in the green room that uh, yeah, Grampus have already re-signed manager Kent Ahasegawa for the 2024 season? Um, I don't know what that'll do for the motivation of the players. Uh, hang, hang on, this guy's sticking around for another year. Oh, my goodness. I thought we might have seen the last of him. But uh, anyway, we'll wait and see. But, uh, yeah, these two also very, very close to each other in the table, of course. Uh, Grampus have slipped down the table in, in recent weeks. They are sixth, but, of course, level on points with fourth-placed Kashima and fifth-placed Hiroshima, while, uh, yeah, Fukuoka are just two spots and two points points. Behind Nagoya, eighth in the table. So, um, I mean, what what can we do? We can try and preview these two games, uh, but we we know, as well as uh, the listeners do, that trying to predict anything that will happen in in Chaos Energy J League, let alone over the course of two legs, is a uh, and the ultimate fool's errand. But um, I mean, you stuck your neck out and predicted uh, some things for the Emperor's Cup semi finals last week. Do you want to do the same? Uh, Johnny, I mean, you're bound to get something right. So, um, yeah, if you th- throw enough ideas against the wall, I'm, I'm sure you, yeah, as I say, you, you're going to hit on a couple.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. These are two really difficult games to, to predict. And then, even when you're talking there, I was thinking, well, because uh, Atsukieto, he won't be able to play for Urawa because he's in the national team. And I think Yamane of, of uh, Marinos, I think he's involved in a, a, a age-level international group. So, even when you try and think what what team will play, like what is difficult to consider. I always think you know in, in these kind of games, um, the team who plays home second, like, of course, it's generally an advantage. But the fact it's a Wednesday night and then it's a, a weekend game, it's just because you know, as we know in ACL or any kind of cup, Wednesday night games in Japan you will get about ten thousand, fifteen thousand there, whereas you could get like you know thirty or forty thousand depending on the the, the team on the, on the weekend game. So I, I think. In Marinos Urawa, it's such a tight margin between those two. I think that has to go in Reds' favour, even if they get the, the draw at Marinos. I, I think I'd I'd back them to, to go back to Saitama Stadium and in in, in nika, nika win, but I'm not. I wouldn't take that to the bank. No, no one no one take that as, as serious betting advice. Just I would pick Urawa to, to narrowly edge against it uh, against Marinos. And then, yeah, you mentioned that the came to Hasegawa news because it's actually Fukuoka and Nagoya are the two teams, to my knowledge, who have um, who've confirmed their coach for next season. Hase, staying on it, Fukuoka probably surprises no one. Hasegawa, I actually, I know this sounds like I'm saying it after the fact, I kind of expected them to stay because they didn't have anyone else. But I didn't expect them to be the second coach confirmed. Like, there must be at least about 10 other coaches more deserving of being being confirmed. Um, I think Nagoya will spend some money in, in the winter. Whether that will actually improve them next season remains to be seen. It's a very, very interesting, very interesting move. Fukuoka isn't to be quite a streaky team, so I get the feel they might either win both games or lose both games or draw both games and go to, to extra time and penalties. Would be very interesting. I, I do stick by my my earlier comments that you know I think we more more goals in the the Emperor's Cup, and there will be in the Levan Cup, so I don't think there'll be many goals in Marinos Reds, maybe a 2-1 overall in aggregate, and I think yeah, the same, there might be one 0 nil somewhere in this Fukuoka and Nagoya Nagoya would maybe again have the slight advantage, the second leg is at home in that big stadium, that could create a good atmosphere, mm. but Fukuoka do seem like the kind of team that would be very good at stifling um, stifling Nagoya they will have to improve the defence from corners though, with Kaspar Juncker around and the, the big centre-backs they've got, but yeah, I'd, I'd say if I was to narrow my prediction down to, I've, well, let me do I'll say I'll say the final will be Reds-Fukuoka, but there will not be more than a goal in the, the end result in, in either game. That's that's what I'm going to go for. Do you want to stick your neck in the line or anything, Ben?
0: Yeah, yeah, fair enough then. Uh, yeah, so very tight on aggregate, both ties. I think I could definitely, um, yeah, buy into that. I don't think there'll be, uh, yeah, clear-cut. Results in either in either tie, um, so yeah. I, I guess um, again, not wanting to be a, a jinx on anything and uh, trying to stay as vague as possible, but yeah, I I hope that Fukuoka can make it through uh, to a final of the two semi-finals that they've they've qualified for this year because they, uh, as more as a reward for a, an excellent season overall, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I've uh, I wasn't expecting. Much at all from them this season, to, to be honest. And um, yes, they've uh, they've been excellent and and very consistent overall in terms of results. Obviously, their their style of play doesn't always excite. Um, they're they're very capable of playing uh, easy on the eye football at times, but generally they um, they grind their way through games, which is not for everybody. And I understand that. But um, yeah, they've uh, they've done extremely well in the cups. This year, uh, as well as in the league in recent weeks. So, um, yeah, for me, I hope they can make it through, and and that's just not has to go bashing again. Like, um, you know, Nagoya have made this uh, this far on merit as well, obviously, but um, yeah, hope hopefully that Fukuoka can qualify for a final, and yeah, the other one, I mean, the the chips will just fall where they may. I think in that one, um, I, I take your point, Johnny, that Reds have the the slight edge having the second. Fixture at home, uh, but yes, the uh, the impact of the the loss of Atsuki Ito uh, could be uh, felt uh, very keenly. Uh, but yeah, I probably wouldn't want to call that one. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, well, yeah, we we see. Four excellent ties, and uh, yes, the two best teams make it through to uh, to the final, and uh, we'll wait and see, and we'll uh, review all that uh, action in next week's episode. All right, so uh, yeah, that's the Emperor's Cup wrapped up, the ACL from last midweek taken care of, and um, a look ahead as, as best we can. As you know, as listeners, this is the most unpredictable league in the world, so um, yeah, sticking our neck out for the Levain Cup is a bit of a fool's errand, but... There you go, and we're well. We have we've mentioned Atsuki Ito, among others, will be in action for the Japan national team. As so I tried to try to segue onto the Samurai Blue uh, fixtures at the end of the episode here, Johnny. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned it last week. They play Canada in Niigata on uh, Friday the thirteenth. And then Tunisia in Kobe on Tuesday the seventeenth will uh, will either be recording just before or just after the Tunisia game in uh, next week's episode. We'll uh, will thrash that out between us and uh, let you know in due course, listeners. But um, yeah, the the side wa- uh, the squad was announced and um, actually yeah uh, was announced by Mister Moriyasu before the uh, the the new pod. Dropped last week, so um, that meant that uh, yeah, the 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 discussion that we had with uh, Ryo at the end of uh, part one ended up up on the cutting room floor. But uh, yeah, there were a number of uh, interesting uh, decisions and uh, players included by Mr. Moriyasu um, in goal. Uh, a, a little bit of a surprise maybe with Daya Maikawa and uh, Zion Suzuki joining uh, the incumbent Keisuke Os- Osako between the sticks. So it'll be interesting. To to see, um, yeah, who gets the nod in both of these uh, upcoming games for Japan uh, in goal?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I think the Kiyoshi is the, the the senior one already in that that group of three goalkeepers. I think Daniel Schmidt seems to be out of out of the picture at St. Trident at the moment. His transfer didn't go through, and I think remember um, Nakamura got injured to, in the last round of um, internationals, so he's still not not back. You know, you mentioned our discussions in the cutting room for, floor. I've got. I've got no problems in saying that I actually picked that Takuya Ogiwara. might be a he might be a, a bolter in the squad, so maybe Reds fans will accept that as a kind of leaf of apology for for jinxing them in the Levan Cup semi-final. But, but when we were talking about that, the, the reasoning behind it was that Moriyasu had gone to see uh, Reds against Yokohama FC which was taking place basically at the same time as, as Marinos against Vissel Kobe. And it, it's quite interesting because he'd obviously made his mind up at, about Mayakawa before last weekend. But I would have thought in a game of that stature and you know, away from home, that would be the best kind of time to see Mayakawa, to see if he's really got what it takes to be a, an international goalkeeper. So it was, uh, I guess maybe Moriasa had his eyes on someone. Was it Atsuki Ito or is it someone who wasn't called up this time, but maybe called up in, in the, the future? But yeah, I, I imagine as has happened in in previous games that Osaka will play one one game and then either Mayakawa or Suzuki will play the, the other one. I'm not sure sure which, but yes, yeah, it's, it's quite exciting because there's kind of a, a battle going on before, like Osaka and, and Tani, and Tani's obviously dropped out, and Suzuki's been talked about in, in hushed tones for for many years, and he's. He's finally getting his chance in in Europe. And Maika probably, if you'd said to people like two or three years ago that he's going to be in the international squad, people would be laughing at you. Or it just didn't seem particularly likely. But yeah, he's shown what hard work and, and perseverance can do, and uh, he's got got in there. And yeah, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I think there's a good chance he might actually start the game in Kobe, and uh, Osaka plays in Niigata, and that'd be, be a very nice fill-up for the. The local fans in Kobe, or the, the Gamba fans, travel along to see Isam Jabali trying to put one past them. Finally,
0: yes, yes, indeed. All right, well, of course, we know that uh, Moriyasu has previous about um, yeah denying uh, <laughs> denying players <laughs> their uh, their inverted commas home fixture in the, if, in the national team shirt. It happened with uh, Kashif Bangunagande, and um, it was Ayumu Seko, wasn't it, for uh, yeah. the the ex Cerezo uh, player? Yeah, either. Yeah, Ben played in Osaka, and I think Seko played in Tokyo, didn't they, a few um, international breaks ago. So, yeah, we'll see if uh, if Mr. Moriyasu gives Maikawa the Kobe game. Um, very familiar territory, of course, for him between the sticks at the Noviro Stadium. Although, yeah, we're not allowed to call it that for, I think, for an international, are we? But anyway, uh, in defense, it's great to see Yuta Nakayama back for uh, Japan, while Seiya Maekuma keeps his spot in uh, in the squad from from last time, and then in midfield, Johnny, it's uh, it was interesting to see Takumi Minamino and uh, Rio Hatate included, with the, the likes of Daichi Kamada and Ritsu Doan not included, um, presumably left out. To, uh, yeah, to give an opportunity to, uh, to Minamino and, uh, and Hatate. Um, but uh, yeah, this is obviously not the end of the road or anything like that for Kamada or Doan. They're just not con- considered uh, on this occasion. While there were a couple of, yes, injury replacements uh, announced after uh, weekend games in Europe. So Daisen Mida and Kaoru Mitoma have dropped out. A, a familiar name in for Mida, but uh, one that a lot of people... Uh, Will not know of uh, in for Mitoma. That's just been announced on on Monday night before we started recording, Johnny. So an interesting one, and I wonder if some uh, Omiya Ardeja supporters are uh, trying to scratch around for uh, for tickets to both of these two games. They might see one of their ex players in action.
1: Yes, it's very interesting because we, we were we were faffing around before we, we came on here trying to find information about them, and you know, when a national team squad is is announced. It's very very rare to think well it would be better talking about it in the J2 pod, but the, the player we're, we're alluding to, I'm sure by the time you listen to this, you might know it's uh, Kanji Okunuki, a bit, very unique name. And I, I remember him from, from J2 a few years ago. He, he looked very sprightly, but never really kicked on fully, um, which you know, Mike and the Omiya fans, I, I'm sure will say it's, it's happened quite a lot, unfortunately, to Omiya. But he, he then he moved away to, to Poland, um, and he's now in the, the, the German the, the, the second Bundesliga with, with Nuremberg. And I was very quickly looking up transfer market before we, we came on. He's got, got nine appearances and two goals in the Bundesliga 2 this season. And he's obviously done something like, when he was in Japan and obviously overseas. Morias has got his, got his feelers out. And you know, I believe he can play both, both wings. He is a, he's a kind of tricky winger. They may see him in the, the Mitoma mode I guess. I mean, Kawabi replacing Maeda suggests that it doesn't have to be a light for light replacement to to get in. Mm. Uh, yeah, I have to say that's that's all I can really say about Okunuki. Other than it is a very very interesting you know, selection, and you know the, the way Moriasa likes to do things, who knows? He might go straight into to a lineup right, rather than just kind of sitting on the bench and, and biding his time. I mean, as for the others you mentioned, that Minamino and Hatate coming in, it's no surprise given their kind of form. And Doan and Kamada, I think they use that Japanese word that's kind of rested, or it's a kind of catch-all phrase that could could mean anything. I think that the squad for this, you know, these fixtures, you, you can't look at it without considering the fixtures that are coming up. They've got the the start of the World Cup qualifiers in in November, and then they've got obviously the, the Asian Cup in in January. So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to kind of like, rotate the players around a little bit and. I actually kind of expected to see more like J League based players in in this squad because if you think next month, you know, um, it's like you've been playing the J League players have been playing nine months this season, like it started in February and you're into November. Do Do you really want to be calling up too many players that are tired at the end of the season or a lot of the guys have been involved in the ACL? But then kind of bringing back the players from Europe in September and then October and then November and they've got to get ready for. You know, Asian Cup come away from their clubs and go back to their clubs you know player player management's going to be gonna be quite key and yeah I, I'm sure we'll talk about it in, next month about the there's a new kind of Asian like qualification for the World Cup which is a 48 team tournament so I guess it'll be very interesting to, to hear like you and whatever kind of guests we come on what what their views are and what Mod, Mr Moriasa will do obviously you know, he doesn't please everyone he, he does some very strange things but you know his his star is currently shining brightly at the moment, so it's very difficult for us to kind of criticise too much what he does when he continues to score four goals every game, regardless of the the opposition, is it?
0: No, that's uh, very well said, Johnny. And uh, yeah, it's a really interesting one with uh, Okunuki getting the call up, and um, yeah, he, he, I mean he must be he must be desperate to get a, a proper look at him in in the setup because uh, yeah, it would have been. Very, very easy to, uh, to to call up a, um, yeah, a, a J1 player from, uh, obviously not from Fukuoka Nagoya, F. Marinos or Reds who have uh, Levain Cup commitments, and he wouldn't want to uh, tax those uh, teams any further by, by calling somebody else up. But, uh, yeah, uh, a, a number of uh, players could have fit the bill from, uh, from uh, a, a J-League club. Um, yes, yeah, speaking of one of the games being in Kobe, I mean, you know, uh, he's obviously ruled the yoshinori muto out of uh, the picture i think for good otherwise he he definitely could have um, come in if uh, at a pinch with uh, with mitoma uh, out of the picture so yeah an interesting one and uh, yeah uh, we'll uh, we'll see what Okunuki uh, gets up to in training and and whether yeah he is thrown straight in by uh, by moriyasu in um, in niigata or uh, indeed in kobe uh, he might see the pitch in in both. We'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, yeah, two very interesting uh, opponents for Japan to to take on in this international break, uh, as Johnny says before uh, the uh, the World Cup qualifiers get going in November. All right, then. So uh, yeah, we, I think we'll leave it there for this week's episode. We've uh, we've wrapped things up. I think uh, the all the football from the course of the the past week, and we've looked ahead to the Levain Cup semi finals and the the two national team. Fix- for now thanks for joining me again this week and uh, catch you next week
1: thanks very so much ben i think yeah we did a couple of games to talk about in, in detail we should have like four games to talk about in, in more depth and also like you know six different teams to talk about so should be plenty of to, to discuss and i'm looking forward to to watching some national team games some some cup games and, and like this week not nothing to worry about about gamba losing so yeah i'll, I'll speak to you again next week
0: <laughs> yes indeed yeah another stress-free uh, weekend for the two of us. All right then. So that's it for this week's episode of the J Talk podcast. Johnny and I would like to thank our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. If you'd like to get involved, please visit patreon.com/slash/JTalkPod. And listeners, we'd like to thank you for listening wherever you are. Speak to you again soon. Bye for now. The J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes.